turn its cover to time. Looking forward to this episode. Uh, this is going to be a fun one. We're going to go through a little bit of the 49ers Bucks, but a lot of attention to the 49ers versus uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, it's tomorrow. Right, right. The game is uh, it's upon us. We're in Seattle. Um, like I was saying, man, it was a quick turnaround. It is. It, it's so <laughs> quick, and uh, we had to go live to go ahead and talk about it. And, and what's up, everyone? Uh, this is going to be a good one, and we already got people filling up chat. What's up, I Bleed, uh, Red and Gold, Spy Nick Danger, as always, and Marcus Brown. How's it going? We're going to have a fun conversation. And Warren, the 49ers versus Bucks game, I think, gave us a really good idea of where this 49ers team with Brock Purdy at the helm. Of course, we did come you know, away with some injuries, but uh, the 49ers absolutely dominated Tom Brady, absolutely dominated the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, offense. I mean, it was just an absolute drubbing. And I think it, it kind of made me feel a lot more comfortable. And now the 49ers are in a position where if they beat Seattle, they win the NFC West. Yeah, that's why I'm super intrigued for this game. And, I mean, you you win this game. I mean, you're you're checking off one of your goals. You know, these are one of your four goals in the beginning of the season. And it starts with this. you got to win your division. So I'm super excited for this game against Seattle. Take care of business. And let's take care of the, uh, get that first check mark. But uh, that Tampa Bay game, man, like this is the performance we were waiting for all season. Like, um, the dominant how dominant the team was. I mean, yeah. this team is just loaded offensively and defensively. It was just it was beautiful Niner football. Yeah, exactly. And what's up, Google account? How's it going? He said, What's up, homies? And Paul, big papa in the chat says, Wow, cover two with live chat. What a treat. <laughs> uh glad you're here, Paul. Always good. And then I believe says, Wish I didn't have to wait a whole week for football all the time. Right. It is nice when it sneaks up. <laughs> uh, I'm also gonna be very happy that the 49ers are gonna get an extended you know, a time period off. It's Absolutely. almost like a mini buy as they prepare for the Washington Commanders. Because I do think that they need to get healthy. And one of the guys that needs to get healthy is Brock Purdy, the quarterback. He's officially listed as questionable. Uh, Kerry Hyder listed as questionable. Ambry Thomas, uh, your Michigan guy, listed as <laughs> questionable. But it looks like all those guys are probably going to play. They weren't ruled out. You know, it's the normal, usual suspects that are out right now. Asan Ridgeway, Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, I mean, we kind of know who those guys are. Of course, now Debo Samuel added to that list. Uh, but Brock Purdy, I fully expect to play in this game, Warren. And what are you expecting from Brock Purdy? Can he duplicate, you know, the performance he had against Miami, the performance he had against Tampa Bay? This is the game I'm really excited for to see, like, what Brock Purdy does. Because, I mean, anybody as Niner fans, we know about our history in Seattle. And so this is this is the game that's really going to tell me, you know, is, is could he possibly be the guy? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what he did against Miami um, – I mean, coming off the bench, you know, not preparing all week to be the starter, and the way he performed was beautiful. And then with the performance he put on last week right. against the GOAT, my GOAT. I don't know if he's your GOAT. <laughs> he ain't my GOAT. <laughs> you can have him. <laughs> Another one of my Michigan guys in, uh, in Tom Brady was just – he, it was a masterful performance, you know, from from Mr. Irrelevant. And so now you're going into the belly of the beast. You know, it's it's a big game in Seattle. You know, you win this game, you win a division. So this game right here is going to tell me all I need to know about Brock Purdy. Yeah, it is. It's going to tell a lot <clears throat> about Brock Purdy and kind of how he's going to operate this offense moving forward. And it's already a guy that's dealing with and been able to push through an injury. He hurt you know, his oblique and rib early on in that football game, the second drive, and was still able to do all the things It's all you know that were necessary to, to really be successful. And now he's just got to be able to manage the pain. And right. he knows what this situation means for him and his career. He's not letting Josh Johnson get on that field. They're not elevating <laughs> Jacob Eason. It's going to be Brock Purdy. And I think Brock Purdy is going to do a good job. And guys, you know, within chat right now, people are bringing up some really good points. Marcus says, I need some TDP. Five runs is all I ask. And Paul says, I think Purdy's main job is going to be handing the ball off to Jordan Mason and Christian McCaffrey. And you look at Seattle overall and Seattle's offense or Seattle's defense has not been good against the run. Uh, it, I did a scouting report video and I brought up these stats during the scouting report video that's over on Patreon. They've only stopped two teams from getting a hundred yards rushing the entire season. Uh, those two games were week seven and week eight against the chargers and giants. Other than that, they've given up <clears throat> 103, 189, which was against the 49ers. 179, 145, 235, 144, the two anomaly weeks, then 122, 161, 283 to the Raiders, 148, and then one oh, and then I'm sorry, uh, I'm sorry, 283, 171, and then 223 last week against Carolina. Warren, 
their run defense is not very good. And what people are bringing up in chat is on point. 49ers should be able to run the football at a high rate, and that will definitely help help Brock Purdy uh, get it done. I agree. I mean, that's actually a crazy stat. I mean, to look at that, I mean, they didn't give up 100 yards to probably the two best running backs they played on their schedule, which was Saquon Barkley and, and um, Austin Eckler. You would expect those guys to have big games against Seattle, but um, if you're looking at the rest of their work, I mean, they're susceptible to the to, to running game, right? And that's what we do best. We run the football, and last time we played uh, Seattle, we didn't have Christian McCaffrey, so yeah. that just spells nothing but trouble for this team. Yeah. So I fully expect the Niners to come out and, and you know do what we do best. Yeah, and Seattle <laughs> the first time they rushed for 189 yards. Jimmy Garoppolo came in after Trey Lance's injury, but your running backs were Jeff Wilson Jr. and TDP. Those were the guys who were running the football. Jordan Mason wasn't carrying the football. Christian McCaffrey wasn't even on the football team. Uh, it, it's very interesting that the four years had that much success against Seattle on the ground. Uh, you know, even with Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm, as the run game definitely changed at first when Jimmy took over from what Trey was doing. Uh, so this is a little bit of a different matchup. Now, I went back and I watched a lot of that game, of course, when I did my breakdown, but I also watched their game last week against Carolina. And the Seattle linebackers get so engaged in trying to stop that run because they have to use eight guys and they really have to sell out to stop the run. It opens up a huge void in the middle of the field uh, between those linebackers and then Quandry Diggs and those and those safeties back there where they're going to be able to take advantage. And I think that's where Brock Purdy can live. He proved last week he can throw outside the numbers and he can Absolutely. throw deep. Now he can he can go back to what he did a little bit against Miami and live in the Jimmy Garoppolo area <laughs> in the middle of the field that's going to be opened up because of the tremendous run game. Yeah, and I mean, he's shown. He showed it in the Miami game, and he obviously showed against uh, a Tampa Bay. Is like He could operate the whole field. Like you said, he made plays on the outside. Um, and against, like against Miami, he can make plays on the inside across the middle and stuff like that. And um, the guy's just, I mean, right now, the way he's playing, it's like, He's he looks unstoppable. To yeah. be honest, I mean, his poise in the pocket, you know, his decision making, you know, his confidence. It's like the guy just he has it dialed in. Like he knows where to go with the ball. And teams are teams are not backing down. They're blitzing him. They're right in his face. He's taking the pressure. He's soaking it in and making the correct plays each time. So um, I'm excited to see what Seattle throws at him. It's going to be a hostile environment, like it always is in Seattle. And so that's that to me is what is really going to tell me if he's if he's come around. This is this is the guy that you know might push Trey Lance in the offseason. Is if he could go in here in this environment and win this game, man, like the Niners got maybe the pick of the draft to steal the draft. Yeah, and you know uh, what's up, David V. I wanted to go ahead and tip my cap to David V. The joint chat. And then I bleed with a a you know good point here. It's a diehard fam who will root for anyone at center for our team, but Purdy played it just as good, if not better, in two weeks than most have in a long time. Scrambling with purpose, not out of fear. I think that's a very good point and a good comment. And let's talk a little bit about what Brock Purdy is going to be dealing with because he's not going to have Debo Samuel. Life without Debo is here at least for a few ish weeks, <laughs> according to Kyle Shanahan. You know, he could potentially come back at the end of the regular season. Um, I think they're going to end up saving him for the playoffs because I think they're going to have the, everything they want wrapped up in a nice little bow. But we've got a life without Debo. What does that look like? Last week, that meant you know Ray-Ray McLeod filling that Z role within this offense and taking over some of the things Debo did. He carried the football, the backfield. He ran jet sweeps. <clears throat> and then Kyle Shanahan said, uh, don't let him hear that he can't do some of the things that Debo can do because he thinks he can do them all. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, life without Debo, man, I'm I'm curious to see what it looks like. Um, I mean, you're, you're going to see the usual spe suspects. You're going to see Kittle. You know, you're going right. to see Christian McCaffrey. You're going to see Brandon Ayuk. But what, what I found really interesting is at the end of the game, we've seen a little bit of Danny Gray. And so I, I want to know where is this going? Because in the preseason, we all expected to see a lot of Danny Gray with Trey Lance. You know, with him being a big play receiver, being able to stretch the field, open up a ton of space for the offense. So seeing him at the end of the game, it makes me curious <clears> that <throat> is he or they is Shanahan getting him ready? You know, is he gonna unveil him a little bit? Because with Jimmy G, we all know he really didn't push the ball downfield too much. Um and, and he had a history of this in his career. You look at Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy's not afraid to throw the ball downfield. Right. So when you have a weapon like Danny Gray and you can unveil him this late in the season where teams 
don't know what's coming. They they haven't been able to watch film film on him, and they don't know much of his game. To unveil him like this late in the season, that could be a game changer. Yeah, Danny Gray. It's interesting because he's really the backup for Brandon Ayuk. You know, what I mean, he he plays that X receiver role. He's got a tremendous amount of speed and the ability to you know to stretch the defense. His role definitely changed within this offense when Trey Lance got hurt. You know, what I mean, he Absolutely. was the guy that Trey Lance was going to be able to whip it down the field yeah. and throw it to and take the top off, so they could kind of open up some of those intermediate areas because. You know, that's not where Trey liked to live, but if you could open it up, he could have success there. And he had a couple of those really nice later throws against Chicago. Absolutely. But now what you have to do, and this is kind of what, uh, you know, Paul is saying in chat, is you kind of have to find a way to use a multitude of guys to come up with Debo's production. Some of that is going to be Christian McCaffrey lining up in the slot, uh, them getting quick screens to him. Sometimes it's going to be uh, Jordan Mason having his carries in the backfield, or it's going to be Jawan Jennings catching the balls on quick screens or Ray Ray McLeod doing those things. It's going to take a multitude of different guys to be able to fill in Debo's role. The good news is the 49ers have one of the most versatile rosters and they can all help out. George Kittle can do something that Debo needed, you know, that Debo was doing. Are they going to do it to that level? No, but what you want to do is find the little things that they do really good and then use those to your advantage. And that's going to be Kyle Shanahan's goal in this game. And the good news is going against Seattle, the way that they play defense with their cover three, they like to run the single high safety. They like to bring an eighth guy in the box because they can't stop the run. That means you're going to get some cool matchups. You're going to get linebackers lined up on Christian McCaffrey out wide. Jeff Wilson Jr. won one of those in week two. And I think we're going to have advantages for the 49ers so they can overcome a loss of Debo, uh, especially in the short term. And I think that's good news because of the sum of weapons can equal a Debo. Right. I agree. And I mean, we can't forget about Juice. Yeah. You know, Juice is Juice is always a forgotten guy. You know, when when somebody goes down, Shanahan just likes to use him in spots, you know, but I'm waiting for Juice to have just a monster game and. Um, I think it's coming. I have a feeling that it's going to come sometime in the regular season or maybe even in the playoffs. But Juice, to me, is a perfect candidate to to kind of to kind of take that pressure off of not having Debo around. So I like the I like I like when when we get Juice involved in the offense. Oh, uh, what's up, Filthy Swift Forty Nine, and what is up to Ramos? I hope you guys are having a good one. And Filthy says, "Bang bang, big game tomorrow. Let's win the West uh, in the nest." I like that a little <laughs> a little extra there. It was very nice. You know, and I, I think with Debo, you know, the question marks around the wide receiver position, um, it kind of that, you know, that hierarchy. I mean, I'm sure the 49ers are probably going to elevate somebody from the practice squad. Uh, they've kind of done this. You know, they've had different guys that come up. I don't think that it could be Willie Sneed if they were looking for a veteran. Sneed's also a good blocker. Tay Martin, another option. They have options within the practice squad. I think they, they're going to roll mainly with those top guys, you know, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, Jawan Jennings, Ray Ray McLeod, and then they'll use a couple of tight ends the way they've used Tyler Croft. Uh, but you're right. I think this could be Danny Gray's opportunity. He got 11 snaps last week. This could be his opportunity to kind of double up on that. And let's see what the young cat can do against some young cornerbacks. Tariq Woolen, that guy is one of the most athletic, you know, tall freaks in this league. And yeah. he's come up with six interceptions. <clears throat> he's doing a good job. But you have advantages in the slot against guys like Kobe Bryant, uh, the young rook there. So I think there's avenues to be able to take advantage of them. How do you see it going? Do you think that's what it's going to be? Or do you think the 49ers go to like a three wide receiver look mainly when they have those wide receivers out there and fill it in with tight ends and Christian McCaffrey? I think it's going to be a little bit of both. I think it's going to be very multiple. I mean, I mean, would you have a, a weapon like Christian McCaffrey where you could use him in a backfield and you could split him out wide like you were doing with Debo Samuels? It, it's, it's just a deadly combination. It's a deadly formula because – you don't know where he's gonna line up, yeah. you know. So when you lose somebody like D, uh, Debo, I mean, you're you're expecting you're expecting the production for people to pick up pick up his production. You know, you you expect Jawan Jennings. You know, Jawan Jennings, what he's done this season and the production he's gave the team this season has been huge. I mean, third in Jawan. You know, yeah. I heard he doesn't like the third in Jennings, but I guess he likes the third in Jawan. So third in Jawan, he's been he's been perfect this year. Um, Brandon Ayuk, I. I fully expect him to take over as the number one receiver. The way he's played this year, he's starting to look like the number one receiver. I mean, the double moves the guy runs is just, it's beautiful. Watching watching his film is like some of the best and exciting film to watch. Just his route running is, is he's really come along. Yeah. So 
And you bring in Danny Gray. Like I said before, Danny Gray is – I'm excited to see what he could bring to the offense because we haven't seen Danny Gray. We've seen a little glimpse of him in the preseason, and we were all excited. Yeah. We all seen Trey Lance hit him in the deep ball against uh, Green Bay in the preseason, and that's what we were expecting the season to look like. With like with Garoppolo, you're not really going to see that too much. You know, like you said, the offense is more, you know, centralized. Now you got Brock Purdy, you know, it might unlock this offense. And so far, it looked like it was unlocked against Tampa Bay. I mean, the way the offense performed, it was wide open. You didn't know Brock Purdy was snapping the ball. And he's just like, man, I could go here. I could go there. I could yep. go there. Like, I got so many options to make a play, <laughs> you know? And so now you throw Danny Gray into it, and it's just like, man, like, I'm going to hit you with this. Like, it's almost like you're in the ring in a boxing fight. And the guy you're fighting doesn't know what's coming next. You know, I can hit you with an uppercut, a left, a right. Like, you won't see it coming. And Danny Gray is just that piece that we could insert, like I said, towards the end of the season where nobody knows nothing about him but us. It's 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 absolutely crazy because he could, he could break out and we could ride this into the playoffs and teams are not going to know what to do. They're not going to know what to adjust. They're not going to know how to play it. So um, Danny Gray is a vital piece to insert at this point in time of the season. And, I think it's going to work out for us. Yeah, and thanks for the super chat from I Bleed Red and Gold. The shout out the faithful best fans in the league. Couldn't agree more. Uh, 49ers Faithful always shows up and thanks I Bleed for the gift. Really, really appreciate that. You know, and and Ramos is saying that he's expecting Kittle to pick up Debo's load. What's up, traffic? How's it going? Always good to see traffic up in here. And then Ramos is saying Brock can spread it around, kind of saying the same things you right. are. Mm-mm. And Paul is saying he loves to see Shanahan kind of spreading the rock around. With some of the play calling, David V says four INTs coming. Uh, no faith in Geno Smith. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about that defense for the 49ers. There's going to be a little bit of a D-line shuffle because Eric Armstead is going to be the mainstay. He's finally healthy. He's able to play, and he's playing at a high level right now, helping everyone else within the defense. you got Samson Ebicom. you got Nick Bosa, Charles Aminahue. You know, those aren't the problems. The outside is not the problem. you got Jordan Willis. The interior defensive line is where it is. Hassan Ridgeway hurt. Javon Kinlaw, hurt. Kevin Givens, hurt. So the question marks along the defensive line go as far as who's going to start next to Eric Armstead. Uh, you know, uh, Jay in the Bay talked about this earlier, and he thinks it's going to be a steady rotation between Harry Hyder, Akeem Spence, T.Y. McGill. <clears throat> I mean, that's probably what it's going to be. I don't know exactly who they start. Is it T.Y. McGill? Is it Harry Hyder? Uh, you would think it's Hyder, but Hyder's dealing with the ankle. Warren, how do you think this D-line, you know, kind of shuffle goes in this game? Is it just a steady rotation? Or, you know, is there a guy that's going to get a little bit more snaps next to Armstead than the others? I think I think McGill's probably going to get a little bit more run than Hyder because Hyder, he's obviously dealing with something. Um, Hyder is a unique piece because, you know, he used to play with Seattle. Um, last season he was with Seattle. So he's a guy that you kind of want to unveil in this game just because he's going to have that motivation to get after it, make plays against his old team. Right. Um, but I do I, – I expect a, a steady rotation. I mean, this is what I remember a couple episodes ago we were we were talking about the whole who should we activate off the – IR. Off, off IR. Uh, and this is why Kinlaw is so vital, you know, because, you know, we could use him right now. Yeah. We, we, we need Kinlaw, you know, and, you know, we know these games – are one in the trenches, you know, and especially when you go into uh, December and January, as you go on in the playoffs, these games are one in the trenches, you know, and when you go throw in a fresh body like Kinlaw at this time of the season, that's huge. You know, everybody's playing banged up right now. So um, I think it's going to be a steady rotation. Um, I would like to see a little bit more hider than anybody just because of the circumstances of the game. But I do agree with Jay and Bay. I think it's going to be a, a nice steady rotation. Yeah, and I think early on in this game, it could get real easy for the 49ers. If they're able to stop the run of the Seattle Seahawks, then they can start going with Hyder, Charles Amenahue, and Drake Jackson playing on the interior because Seattle will abandon the run. Seattle only had 36 yards rushing last week. This is not a a big-time running attack. Now, they could have Kenneth Walker back. He could be back, and if he is, that can change up some things. He's been limited at practice. I kind of expect him to play. But, you know, how much success is he going to have? I think that's a big question. Uh, So I think that, you know, Hyder could definitely, you know, probably get the start in there. It'll be either him or T.Y. McGill. And I think the 49ers are going to be just fine because I think they can stop the run with those guys. Those guys know how to play with run left, you know, the leverage, uh, get in their lanes. As long as he's able to eat up double teams, he's going to be able to help stop Seattle. So stop the run early, and I think they'll be just fine. 
And then we have a couple questions. WTM asked about the biggest concern. We're going to get into that in a little bit. So I won't answer that right now. But WTM, don't worry. We're going to get into that. But Traffic said, do you expect anyone to step in and take Debo's role, wide receiver, running back mixture? Um, I think it's just a combination yeah. of guys. Yeah, it's got to be Christian McCaffrey, <clears throat> probably some Ray Ray McLeod, but just a bunch of guys. And we kind of went over that a little bit earlier. Uh, that's what I think it's going to be. But let's talk about this secondary, Warren, because um, just like the D-line shuffle, there's going to be a little bit of shuffle in the secondary. Of course, we talked about Ambry Thomas for a second, uh, that he has the you know the ankle injury, but I think he's going to play. But then also, you have the injury to Samuel Womack. He has a concussion. There's no way he's clearing protocol on a Thursday night game, so he's going to be out. Then you had Dante Johnson go down with an ACL. Right. So Dante Johnson in a hybrid corner slash safety role is not an option. They're going to have to go a, a different route. Um, they have Janoris Jenkins there. Could they go with Jenkins? I was wondering what your feelings were on what they're going to do because right now the first cornerback in would appear to be Ambry Thomas. Uh, but do you want to take that chance with him having the ankle injury? Mm, um, of course, I'm going to say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you like you some Ambry Thomas. I love man. I love Ambry man. Yeah. Um, I'm. Uh, I would love to see Ambry play because I I feel like he has lo- uh, loads of uh, potential. Um. Am I nervous? Yes. I'm very nervous because Ambry Thomas has struggled this season. Um, this is a game I really wouldn't want to see him because, I mean, they, I mean, like it or not, Seattle has a kind of a potent offense. I mean, right. they have two of the best receiver duels in the league. I mean, you got Metcalf and you got um, Lockett, yeah. you know, dangerous. I mean, if you, if Ambry Thomas gets matched up on one of them in the slot out wide, you're going to be worried about it. Right. You're going to be worried about it. So, I'm I'm nervous. I'm nervous about what's going to happen with Ambry Thomas. I mean, uh, it might be time to, to see what what uh, Janorius can do. Yeah. You know, Jack Rapid. Because I mean, you got to keep Ambry on a short leash. I mean, let's say you do insert him in the game, he gets beat. You got to pull him. You got to pull him. You got to put Janorius Jenkins in. So it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what the Niners do back there in, in terms of. Uh, rotating bodies because if somebody goes down and gets hurt, then you're really you're really going to be in a sick situation. So, um, I don't know, man. How do you how do you see it playing out? Yeah, I think it's one of those things that's interesting, you know. And I know Paul's asking about you know players on the practice squad that can help. So I'm I'm going to be bringing that up along the way uh, because I know they've snuck a couple of guys you know onto the practice squad here and there. They signed a new defensive lineman uh, along the way as and I believe Kadar Holman had come back. So I want to just make sure that Kadar Holman is still on this roster uh, because sometimes the 49ers make moves and it just it, it, it becomes a little bit interesting to try to remember who is who. I think for from my thoughts that it could be time for um, you know, Janoris Jenkins, yeah. you know, potentially. Um, here's you know, Michael Dwinfor. He's the one that they just signed recently. That's a defensive tackle. Some they have Michigan guy. They have Janoris <laughs> Jenkins, of course, they have Quantrez Knight uh, as well, the young guy out of uh, UCLA. He could potentially come up. I think if you're looking for someone to play the nickel, Quantrez Knight makes a lot of sense. Uh, but if he's somebody that has to play outside, that could be a bigger question mark. You know, so I think that there there's one there with Quantrez Knight. Um, other than that, you know, they don't really have a lot. They do have Kadar Holman, so he's potential. Uh, Kadar Holman, Janoris Jenkins, and Quantrez Knight. Those are your pretty much your options on the outside. Tarverius Moore's hurt, or you would normally say he could be also an option yeah. because he's done it before. Uh, so, I mean, out of those guys, I I kind of feel the most comfortable with Janoris Jenkins. Yeah, I agree. Um, but we'll see. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 not like it's a huge you know huge options right now. You don't really want to get any of those guys, you know, uh, out there in these one-on-one situations. So, I mean, that's what you're choosing from. Kadar Holman, I mean, he's been with the team since the end of last season. He came in at the end out in the practice squad, uh, was with them through training camp. They released him, then he came back. So he's been practicing with the team for a while. He did okay in training camp. He's all right. Uh, But, I mean, you don't want him matched up on Tyler Lockett or or DK out there one-on-one. So, I mean, I'm kind of thinking I would probably go with Janoris, but... um, Janoris Jenkins being the first guy in just in case something happens to Lenore or if something happens to Jimmy Ward, you slide Diameter Lenore inside and then you put Janoris Jenkins out on the outside. I agree. I mean, with Amory, I'm just, it's all in his head. I'm worried about his confidence. That's what I'm mostly worried about him. He has the athletic ability to play. We've seen last year, but he's just, I think he's in his head and this is where you miss Varane. 
Yeah. You honestly miss Verrett because we wouldn't have this issue right now. Yep. Or if, if we had Mosley, Mosley stayed, if God forbid he didn't get hurt. But, um, man, Verrett would, he'd come through clutch right now, but we're definitely in a pinch. Well, I think that's why they signed Jenkins, right? Yeah. I think Verrett going down made them want to sign somebody else. And, and right now, I don't know. Uh, who they've elevated David V. Uh, they haven't announced it yet who they're going to elevate. Uh, Tevin Coleman could potentially be an elevation, but I think the elevations are going to come on the defensive side of the ball this week. I kind of expect it to be Akeem Spence, and I, I, I expect it to be one of these cornerbacks, whether that's Quantrez Knight or you know what we've been talking about with Jack Rabbit Jenkins. One of those guys. It's going to be interesting in the secondary uh, because they also you know are, I mean they do have Odom. Uh, Jimmy Ward, if he played, yeah. if they move him to safety, so you do have that safety. But last week it was Dante Johnson because he could play the multiple roles. Now they don't have that option. But 49ers for Seahawks, it's here. It's gonna happen. It's tomorrow. Uh, by this time tomorrow, the 49ers will probably have won the NFC West. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it like I'll say probably. Just give them a little bit of respect. But I fully expect it to happen. But Warren, with this football game, we've talked a little bit about it. Um, you know, and, and, and Paul's asking about special teams. So let's do that real quick. People who can play special teams. We lost a couple of gunners. That might be the reason you don't go with Jenkins and you go with somebody else, uh, because you do need a gunner. Cause you lost Sam Womack. You lost Carverius Moore and Ambry Thomas can play gunner. Right. He's probably going to play in this game. So he'll probably handle that. Kadar Holman would make sense because he's a special teams guy. But do you are you would you would you rather go with a Danny Gray or would you rather go up to one of these other guys and say, you know what, I need you, Tevin Coleman, I need you to play, you know, on the outside compared to, to somebody else. Cause I do think they need to bring up one of those guys. You know, and David V saying night. Is George Odom, is he does he play on special teams? Yeah, he's the he's one of the best special teams guys in yeah, the league. Yeah. yeah, he's been one of the yeah, because yeah. I remember in Indianapolis, that's what he was recognized for. Um it's <laughs> I don't know, man. They got they got a decision to make on special teams. They really do, and, um, and that's a one of the big question marks. Is because you, as far as play goes, you probably want Jenkins because he's the guy that can cover the best. Yeah. Um. But when it comes to special teams, is he going to be willing to play it? They talked Josh Norman into playing special teams last year. <laughs> can they talk? Can they talk Janoris Jenkins into playing special teams? It's going to be a tough sell. I mean. <laughs> I, I mean, I they guess could play Diomedo Lenora special teams. Yeah, they could, but he's. I mean, you can't lose him. Yeah, no, you, know, you if, can't. If he goes down, like you're, you're yeah. really in a pinch, you know. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, uh, I'm, <laughs> Jordan Mason. <laughs> Jordan Mason will be out there for yeah. sure. I just um, don't think he's gonna play a gunner. You know. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll see. I mean, I think Danny Gray could do it. He's yeah. got all the speed in the world to do it. Absolutely. Somebody like Ray Ray McLeod can have that kind of role. Uh, those type of guys have probably done it in the past. Young guys are going to be prepared, and the 49ers are going to have to, you know, do what they need to do. Uh, but let's talk about the biggest concern for the 49ers versus the Seattle Seahawks. This is what WTM was asking earlier. What is your biggest concern for the 49ers against the Seahawks? Man, my biggest concern going into this game is the environment. That's that's my biggest concern because we showed earlier in the season, you know, when when Trey Lance went down, that we're we're a better football team than him. I mean, offensive defensively, if you match up the teams, we're better. We're when it comes down to it on paper, we're the better football team. What makes Seattle Seattle is Seattle. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it's the environment. It's it's just a when we go there for some reason we just don't play well, right? You know, and you know we're going in there with Brock Purdy, and this is his first time playing in Seattle. And this is a huge game. This is the game we got to have. This is the game, like we said before, it wins a division. So to me, that's the biggest thing. You know, if you go in there and you beat that mystique, you know, you win a division. That's, to me, that's that's the bottom line of this game. And, um, I mean, if there's one or, you know, if I had to name a couple players that bother me, I would say, I mean, Kenneth Kenneth Walker is, he's one of the best running backs in the league. He's a rookie. Yeah, dude is dude is is real deal. He's a legit. He's a legit running back. And then of course you have you have Lockett and you have Metcalf, which is going to be a problem, which we were just talking about with our secondary, with the injuries we have in the secondary. But um, I think the number one issue is just the mystique, just going in there, you know, and just getting a dub, just not letting the past ghosts affect this game. Yeah, I wonder how much that is going to happen. I mean, this is right. This is a different rivalry than it was with Pete Carroll and Jim Harbaugh. Pete Carroll and Jim Harbaugh's rivalry came from USC Stanford. Uh, you had the added, you know, it, 
kind of involvement with Richard Sherman and Doug Baldwin mm-hmm. and the fact they didn't like Jim Harbaugh. I think that added to it a lot. And then once you kind of got the Legion of Boom going against Colin Kaepernick and, and Frank Gore, there was just a different element to the whole thing. Crabtree, you know, being involved in that. Now you've got a difference because Russell Wilson's gone, right? The True. ding dong, the witch is dead. He's out of here. And I think <laughs> that in 2019, you know, Drake Greenlaw helped exercise some of those demons with that big stop at the goal line. I think that was one of those times where it's like when Rocky hit Drago in, in Rocky in Rocky Four, and he started to bleed, and he's like, oh my gosh, you know, like you cut him. And at that moment, you knew he wasn't a robot. And I think that's what happened. The 49ers made a big play there. And I don't think that Seattle is as dynamic as a home field advantage now because of some of the elements that have been taken out of it, like Marshawn Lynch and that Legion of Boom defense. I still think it is a challenging place to play for a young quarterback like Brock Purdy. But I did like what he said about playing in Norman, Oklahoma, in front of 90,000 fans and how loud that is going to be. And then Paul brought up earlier, and I think this is a good point, how much red are we going to see in Seattle? Because we know that there's a lot of 49er fans going to this football game. And if the Seattle fans were willing to sell those tickets and we can get some of the 49er fan base there, I think it could take a little bit of pressure off. But uh, it's still going to be, like you said, the environment's going to be difficult because Brock Purdy's going to have to navigate silent counts. This young offensive line is going to have to navigate silent counts. And we've seen Jake Brendel have some snap infractions this year because of snap counts. So it's something to monitor for sure. I think that is definitely, you know, a concern going against the Seattle Seahawks. I don't really have any concerns about their run game. Um, I do have concerns if Geno Smith decides to get outside the pocket, maybe make it difficult. He did create a little bit in week two uh, outside the pocket, but overall uh, the 49ers should be able to, you know, pretty much handle business with what they, what they do. I agree. I think they, at the end of the day, I think the Niners will win the game. I think we will handle business. You did a good job hi- highlighting the past. You know, yeah. this is a different Seattle team, different mystique. Um, they still they still got that 12 man. That's the thing. And, it's, it's and, a, yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be very loud. This is a primetime game, you know, for Brock Purdy. I mean, everybody's been patting him on the back. You're the man. You're this. You're that. Now go win a division. Yeah. Go in Seattle, win a division. This is this is where you know legends are made. You know, like yep. if Brock Purdy, you know, he wants to be he wants to be in the quarterback conversation going forward. You win this game. So if he goes into Seattle, he wins this game, puts on the same type of performance he did the last two games. Like like Bosa said, man, we got a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. I think that's what's been nice is just seeing the recognition. And yeah, Bosa. Uh, some of my favorite quotes lately. You had the Sakaruni one. Uh, you had the one after Shanahan, uh, you know, dissed him where he said, "Don't talk s on me." Followed by "Light the fire." Uh, the way he said it, he "Light the fire." It just sounded hilarious. Uh, he's he's just one of my favorites right now yeah. talking. So I think that you know the 49ers are are well equipped to handle this game, but. I do think Brock Purdy is going to face some sort of, you know, obstacles that he's not used to in this game and him being able to navigate and overcome those are what's going to help him. Cause this is an yes. environment that is going to be the closest to what he's going to see from a playoff run Absolutely. because the 49ers are going to be, you know, <clears throat> at home versus the commanders pretty much at home versus Las Vegas right. and then at home versus Arizona. And then a first round game in the playoffs at home. He wouldn't know really what a environment will be like, a playoff environment until Minnesota. This is going to be the closest thing, and that's if they played Minnesota and Minnesota didn't have to come here. But right. that's another story. <laughs> I just think it's going to be good for his growth and good for this team. And if they can get through it and win, I think it just brings this team even closer together. You're right, and that's what you want for Brock Purdy at this point. You want him to go through something. Right. You want him to go through adversity. Like I said, he's just getting patted on the back like you're doing great. You're doing this. You're doing that, which is all fine and dandy. But what we what this team needs is they're gonna need when it gets tough in the playoffs. When let's say we make it to the Super Bowl, we're playing the Chiefs, and it's the, those do or die moments. Like yeah. this adversity he goes through in Seattle will make him better in those moments. So that's that's what I want him to go through. Something it's just gonna help his maturation and of, of just becoming that man at quarterback. So um, that's that was a great point that you made there. Yeah, and if you haven't already, go ahead. If you would like the video, uh, you know, jump in the chat if you're watching and, and just leave a little bit of a comment. We'll say what's up. And if you haven't subscribed to the channel and you're watching, uh, subscribe to the channel. We really appreciate it. Those help the content. You know, and, and Paul's bringing up 
you know, winning that second seed. That is something that's definitely, you know, a possibility. Ivan says, I wouldn't say Raiders game is a home game. That might be a playoff game because of the fan base. Um, I think that though, when it comes down to it, Raider fans in Las Vegas, not as invested. They're going to be willing to sell their tickets. That's usually what happens. Uh, so we'll see. But I, I think, and you know, and Ivan's probably right. Both fan bases are going to attend, but I just, yeah. I always expect the, I always expect the 49 fans to just show out. Show so I'm up just, and show out. I'm just saying. So we'll see. But let's talk <laughs> about the biggest advantage for the 49ers versus the Seahawks. <clears throat> biggest advantage for the Niners? Yeah. I said the biggest advantage for us is just um the momentum. You know, we're we're carrying what a six game, yep. six game winning streak in here. Um, and I mean, just all the, the plethora of weapons we have. I mean, how is Seattle gonna match up? Yeah, you know, this is a much different team than what they've seen earlier in the season. The team that they prepared for, they prepared for a Trey Lance Niner team. You know, they didn't even get to see the Jimmy G team. Yeah. Now they're seeing the Brock Purdy team. And this is just a much, a much different team than what we were beginning of the season. It's offensively and defensively. I mean, you look at defensively, this is one of the best defenses we've seen in Niner uniform. I mean, they're just they're bowling out on all three levels. Yeah, we have injuries. We're still we're still kind of getting healthy here and there. But um, just from an overall standpoint, it's just night and day from the team they seen earlier in the year to what we are now, I just don't think they're ready for what we're bringing to Seattle. I mean, defensively, we're just going to smother them, you know? Yeah. And then offensively, we're just too multiple. There's too many weapons, too many guys to guard. It's just it's just a headache. It's problems. Yeah, you know, it was one of those things where I wasn't, I didn't remember a whole lot about week two until I went back and really watched the, I went and watched the all 22 again. <laughs> and, you know, watching it back, it was the 49ers handling business on both, you know, both lines. I thought Seattle, when you start reading the names of who Seattle's gotten, they've had a lot of continuity this year. Pretty much all five guys are still starting, um, but they really struggled against the 49ers defensive line. And of course, I mean, Kinlaw and Armstead were both playing. We were a full healthy defensive line. So that does go a long ways into it. Uh, but, you know, it's like one of those things where if you win up front, you know, you're going to have an advantage. And I think, the 49ers have that advantage where their fronts are just better. Offensively and defensively, they win. And I went back, and the, the 49ers' offense did not execute at a high level. Their interior offensive line was letting guys go free that were kind of messing up the run game, and yet they were still dominant. And so I just see that as, like, we're a different team now. And the way the 49ers execute right now, if they execute at that level, uh, the, the Seattle Seahawks defensive line is suffering some injuries. They don't have the talent that they had in week two all along that defensive line. I think you go, our offensive line is probably healthiest and, and playing the best together with a Seattle defensive line that's struggling. <clears throat> I just think it's a recipe uh, for the 49ers being able to run the football. And I think with Seattle knowing that they're going to try to load the box. I think that's going to provide some huge opportunities for Brock Purdy in this offense to make plays. And I think that there's going to be a lot of mismatches that Kyle Shanahan's going to get because Seattle moves a lot with motion <clears throat> and there are mismatches to be made. We talked about Kyle Juszczyk and we got George Kittle. We got Christian McCaffrey. Those guys mismatches on those linebackers. And then the safety's not named Diggs. Uh, Diggs, I give him so much credit. He's good, yeah. really good. Yeah. But everybody else, there's a little bit of a mismatch. And I think that's the 49ers advantage is it starts with the line and then it kind of goes to the mismatches that Kyle Shanahan can uh you know, kind of get to get uh, where he wants him to be. I agree. I mean, if you look a few weeks ago, I mean, the Raiders, I mean, uh, Seattle gave up, what, 200 yards to Josh Jacobs? Yeah. I mean, the guy had the game-winning touchdown right up the gut, you know? And, I mean, we all know, and everybody in the chat knows, yeah. Josh Jacobs ain't Christian McCaffrey. No. So, if Josh Jacobs is putting up 200 yards, I mean, just imagine the type of day uh, Christian McCaffrey's going to have. Yeah. So, I mean... The the it, like you said it's in the all twenty two the the proof is there run the football yeah you know and I wanted to say what's up to uh, Ivan I I hope you're having a good you know a good day uh, Resco of course in here as well uh, you know and says two defensive tackles tomorrow night I mean it, they're not a lot but they're gonna have a few because they're gonna bring up you know Akeem Spence he'll be a part of this defensive line it's definitely a question mark they're gonna have to fill the middle and yeah I think. You know, the 49ers have been overcoming every, all season, though, especially along that defensive line. And I think the fact that Charles Amenehu can play on inside, Jordan Willis can play on inside, um, it's not perfect, but you stop the run early. Like I said, Seattle will get away from it. Uh, Seattle just doesn't have a very dynamic run game, or the offensive line is not a strength of theirs. So I think they're going to, the 49ers can overcome those obstacles. 
And I think that's what's nice is that they do have a team that can continue to overcome obstacles. And I saw Ziggy came in here too. What's up, Ziggy? Uh, no reason to apologize for being late. Just glad you came through. Uh, and uh, Reska's defense is going to have to do more twists and stunts and blitzes off the corners. Well, in week two, and this is something I was going to talk to you about, Warren, anyways, uh, Talano Hufanga played in the box a ton against Seattle. And when the 49ers dialed up blitzes, not only did it help stop the run, but it also caused Geno Smith all kinds of issues. When he located blitz, he was still confused on the back end about what he was seeing. And Hufanga was able to get home on stopping a lot of runs. Well, I think the 49ers are going to be active. And I think Hufanga is going to be active in the box. I agree. And I mean, Hufanga, he's, when he sees it, he goes. Dude is a heat seeker. So, I mean, if you have him in a box, he's just going to create all kinds of problems for a lot of different quarterbacks in the league. Um, the, the thing about this game that I want to kind of highlight is the linebackers. Uh, right. They kind of get a break this week. You know, <laughs> uh, last week, the past two weeks against Miami and against Tampa Bay, those are the type of teams that operate the middle of the field quite a bit. Yeah. When you look at the Seattle team, they're more on the edges. They're more, you know, they stretch the ball vertically on the edges, not so much in the middle of the field. So when it comes to, you know, um, controlling a running game, I, I fully expect the running backs to just dominate. I mean, not the running backs, uh, the linebackers right. to just flow to the football dominate and there shouldn't be much lanes at all for seattle to run the football so um the our linebacker crew that have been controlling they've been controlling games all damn season pretty much yeah so i fully expect them to, to make plays in a running game in this game against seattle as well yeah i thought what was interesting in that game against seattle is seattle uh in week two tried to put the 49ers in base four three sets and then take advantage of noah fan and their tight ends against aziz alshire and Drake greenlaw they tried to find those matchups uh, it wasn't too long that they figured out that wasn't going to work and they had to go away and go to the nickel and Womack was playing the nickel at the time. Oh, wow. uh, and the 49ers really handled business and were <laughs> able to stop them. If the 49ers are able to run, because uh, I mean, Seattle has kind of translated into more of a three wide receiver set and spreading yeah. it more out over the last several weeks. If they're able to run nickel and stop the run the way Jimmy Ward was stopping the run last week against Tampa Bay, a 94.5 grade against the run from nickel corner spot, ridiculous. That's like, crazy. Elite level play. If they can do that, I think that's going to cause big problems for Geno Smith. And if they can't rush the ball at all, uh, I think the 49ers are going to just pin their ears back and get after him because Tom Brady gets rid of the football so much faster than Geno Smith. I think Geno Smith can get rid of the ball quickly, but if you squat on his early routes and his, you know, because that's the thing, DK can run those routes uh, and use his big body, but when he's really successful is when he can really get his legs stretched right. and run these deep verticals. Lockett's the more dangerous underneath guy, but you can bracket him, take him away, and then just keep a safety over the top on DK. So I don't know exactly where Seattle is going to be able to manufacture offense <laughs> against this 49ers defense. And one of the reasons is, is you brought up the linebackers, them being able to run sideline to sideline is what made Carolina so successful against the Seahawks last week because their linebackers did the same thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I, I mean, I don't know where they're going to get points from. I don't know where they're going to, they're, like you said, where are they going to operate their offense? You know, I yeah. mean, this defense and what D'Amico Ryans is doing week in, week out. Like, what did McDaniel say? It's his uh, worldwide uh, uh, domination tour. Domination. Yeah. <laughs> and so the tour goes in Seattle this week. So um, I don't know, man. I'm 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 gonna be interested to see like what approach Seattle takes against this defense tomorrow. Yeah, and everyone that's in chat right now, leave the score prediction. We're about to get to score predictions right now. Warren, this game against the Seattle Seahawks, uh, the NFC West is on the line. Uh, 49ers, are they going to win the NFC West with Brock Purdy at the helm uh, in Seattle on a Thursday night? It was prime time in 2019 when the 49ers you know, stopped them at the goal line and won the NFC West. Are the 49ers the first to secure a division title tomorrow night against Seattle? I have the Niners securing the bag. Yeah, the Niners, the Niners are going to go to Seattle and win. Um, I give Seattle a little respect. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting game. Um, I have the Niners winning though. I have the Niners winning. I would say I want to go 17, 17 10. Ooh, 17 10. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of offense no. for the 49ers. You got the defense really playing well. Um, you know, I think this game is gonna be interesting. It's on a Thursday night. Anytime you get a Thursday night game, yeah. you just get, you know, a close match. If you throw in the rivalry factor. And then it just usually makes games tight. But I do think the 49ers are going to handle business in this game. I think Brock Purdy has scored over 30 points in the two matchups that he had. 
I don't think the Niners are going to score 30 in this one, but I think they're going to get close. I think the 49ers are going to win this football game. They're going to win the NFC West, and they're going to do it 27 to 13. I think the Seattle Seahawks will get some, you know, a a couple of plays, but I think they're going to live on field goals. I think Brock Purdy and the 49ers offense is going to dominate on the ground, shorten this game a little bit, uh, and I think he's going to make timely throws. But I fully expect Seattle, you know, to make a couple plays here and there and make the 49ers kind of, you know, deal with a little adversity. But I do think Niners get the win. I think we all celebrate. They get a huge break, and then we get to say, you know what? The next time 49ers football comes, the Christmas gift of the Washington Commanders. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's like I said in the beginning of the podcast, this is the first check mark. Yeah. You know, as Niner fans, this is what you got to do first. You got to take care of the division. So going to Seattle, business like mentality, win this game, and then let's, let's, let's start preparing for the playoffs. You know, let's start getting healthy. Um, let's stay healthy. Yeah. No injury, no more injuries. Let's get Debo back. And then, as we know, let's, Let's buckle up for another playoff run because these playoff runs as Niner fans has just been wild the past few years. Yeah. And what's up to Randy Daytona coming through with I love the cutback crew. Uh, cutback crew is fantastic. We enjoy spending time with the cutback crew. And then let's get <laughs> to some of these scores. Uh, Paul, Big Papa says 33-7 Niners. <laughs> wow. Paul, I love that score. <laughs> I hope that happens. His score is better than mine. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm taking Paul's score. Uh, I bleed red and gold says 21 10 okay. 49ers take it. I like that I 11 that points. One. I think that's a realistic yeah, that's you know, score. Long time says 49ers mm-hmm. win 30 to 10, 175 plus rushing yards and at least four, four sacks. sacks. Okay. I love that from long time. I like to break down. David V says 28 to 12. Uh, so that's a nice four touchdown performance for the offense and then stopping the defense, hold, or stopping them on defense, holding them Three, to four, four field goals. goals. And then Reska's, if we run Jordan Mason early, we can use him to run downhill and then make CMC run perimeter. We can win 27-17, 10-point victory in Seattle. I will take it. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Paul says, hashtag sweep the sea chickens. <laughs> Gotta love that. When's the last time we swept Seattle? Uh, I think it was Jim Harbaugh, 2011. Ted Ginn, remember, it had the, the returns? Right. I believe that was the last time the 49ers uh swept them and it's also the last time seattle before this year was without russell wilson at quarterback russell wilson took over in 2012 that's when the domination for seattle kind of started that's crazy yeah so it was 2011 that the 49ers swept them and ted game was a big reason why especially in the first matchup so yeah it's it's been a long time (laughs) 11 years yeah and the 49ers have the opportunity to do it i hope they sweep the entire division Uh, because that was one of the things we talked about at the beginning of the year was you know, the 49ers are built different than every other team in the division. Right. And I think it's showing now with how they match up against each other. Uh, but some more great scores coming through as well. Traffic 24-20 49ers. Thursday night football games always tricky and especially a division game. I can't I disagree with yeah. that. It is it is interesting. I mean, so many complaints about the Amazon games on Thursday nights. Um, it is interesting because you don't have time to prepare, right. put in a full game plan, especially a traveling team. All everything is against the 49ers in this football Correct. game, as far as that goes. But what is for them is they're definitely the better football team. I mean, I think this is the best Thursday night slate they had. I mean, the rest of the year I've been watching has been pretty bad. So I think this is going to be the best game they've had so far. Yeah, I think so. And you know, if the 49ers uh, sweep this one, uh, I think it, you know, it goes a long way. I mean, Seattle's going to come up because Seattle had themselves one heck of a draft. And I fully expect them to, you know, continue to Keep get better in, yeah. um, because they're not always going to have Gino, no. you know, there. So, and, you know, 2011 here. So, you know, they definitely are on it as well in chat. Ooh. So I think the 49ers, you know, have a, a huge opportunity here. And I, I think they're going to go. I think they know how important this is too. You know, you get this win. It's important because that number two seed is within reach. Minnesota right. is likely going to lose another football game. And if the 49ers can continue to win, that number two seed could mean a lot down the stretch two guaranteed home games in the playoffs is what you're hoping for. Yeah, and I heard that uh, right now our our division within the NFC is better than the Vikings. So if we if we got into a tie where we're both sitting at what, like let's say we're, our records are tied at the end of the season, yeah. we would have the tiebreaker because we have the better record in conference. That's true. Yeah, they've lost all three games in conference, Minnesota, where the 49ers have only lost two, uh, Chicago and Atlanta. The other two losses were to Denver and Kansas City. So, yeah, the 49ers are sitting in – 
a good right. position. Right. They just need Minnesota to drop one, and they need to continue to win. And WTM says 24 to 9. I love that. Uh, no double digits. I, I like when I don't see double digits coming. <laughs> uh, and you know what? I, why would we bet against this defense no, and the way that they point. play? Um, but yeah, it's crazy. And you know, that's it. You know, we only won once in Seattle in the last 10 years. It hasn't been a kind place to play, um, but Russell Wilson's gone, and and that's kind of the the mark, you know, of, of when things started going the wrong way for the 49ers was Russell Wilson. It was, uh, and it, was. It, it appears that even him out of Seattle, he's just a different player. Yeah, it's interesting. And then I gotta give some love to Caleb KDR says the Brock is going for eight passing touchdowns. Just going crazy on Pick him it. Up on waivers, your starting fantasy quarterback, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> eight touchdowns. That's crazy. That is. Yeah, and uh, Paul says I don't care if it's a good game. I just want to win and let me relax. That's how I felt last week yeah. against Tampa Bay. It was like you know it felt nice to just kind of relax and enjoy yeah. the game. Yeah, just sit down and relax, enjoy the game. Yeah. Well, Warren, I enjoyed this conversation. What a great episode to cover too. Thanks everyone for coming through chat for this live. Uh, episode of cover two let me know how you guys like the live element to it if you enjoyed it i know me and warren really enjoyed doing Absolutely. it live so thank you guys so much for coming through join me tomorrow i'm going to do a game preview show tomorrow live stream at 11 a.m come through i'm going to go through the key matchups give some bold predictions they got to be really bold too you got <laughs> whoa really bold uh and we're going to have some fun on that so if you guys want to come through i'm going to go live at 11 a.m pacific time join me and uh, we'll get into the rest of the Seattle conversation. But thanks, everyone, for coming through. It was a good one. Thank you, everybody. And you uh, you had some success last week with your bowl predictions, right? I did, yeah. My bowl <laughs> prediction was correct. I said Tom Brady was going to throw two interceptions in the game. Okay. And what's funny is he only had three coming into the game uh, on the season. I, I went bold with it, and it came true. Came through. Uh, so, tune yeah. in, guys. Tune in. He's money. Tune in. I'm, I'm going to go for it again. <laughs> Uh, it could have something. I it, it's something I hit on last year, and I'm going to hit it this time. But I'm not going to not going to tell everyone. But if you watch last year, you know what my bold <laughs> predictions were. And I, you know, last year, Warren, I predicted two games that the Warriors were going to have huge special teams performances, and they did. Oh, see, interesting. This guy's money, man. Take it to Vegas. Yeah, let's see what happens. But uh, <laughs> thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. Uh, it was a good one, Warren. We'll catch you guys next week for the next episode of Cover Two. Everyone have a good night. See you tomorrow. Go Niners. Go Niners.